This episode of the Wayne Rooney podcast brought to you by the EA Cup. Yes, come to Audi Field on July 18th and 21st and watch St Etienne, Bordeaux, Marseille and Montpellier from League One do battle on American turf. Kickoffs are at 6pm and 9pm both days. Visit dcunited.com to purchase tickets now. To the pod. It's such a different type of stripe to a typical goal, which happens in an instant. What goes through your mind is that it's just flying through the air? Honestly, I knew straight away as soon as I hit it. And one of the things which I think about, it's quite strange actually, is for the goalkeeper, don't dive because you're not going to get it. You're going to make yourself look silly. And that's actually <laughs> a genuine feeling. This is Roger Bennett from Men in Blazers at DC United's training ground. Sitting here with fellow football-loving son of Liverpool, DC United's Mr Wayne Rooney. We back, like the Jonas Brothers. Oh, but with shorter hair, Wayne. It's great to see you. Good to see you. It's episode two of the Wayne Rooney podcast. And the Speed 2 Cruise Control or Police Academy 4 Citizens on Patrol prove sequels are hard, Wayne. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, Wayne, whenever we pod, and I know two times is not a huge sample size, but whenever we pod... It feels like you've just done something remarkable. And we sit here, the morning after the night before, you scored that goal, now seen round the world, against Orlando City, the 60-yard tap-in, Wayne. It's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it all through my career. I always try and be aware of where the goalkeeper is. You're constantly evaluating that in games? Yeah, because it's an opportunity to score a goal and people might think... Yeah, but you're 60, 70 yards away from goal. But it is a genuine opportunity. It's the third time I've scored from a similar distance. So The first one with more loft for United against West Ham in 2014. You earned a hug from Marouane Fellaini, something I've always <laughs> dreamed of having. And then for Everton against West Ham again in 2017. But Joe Hart was in goal for that one. The West Ham one, I actually didn't hit a clean. If you watch it, it was on the volley and... The first West Ham one? Yeah, for Man United. It had a little bit of swerve on it. I didn't hit it as clean as I actually like to, but it went in. The one for Everton, that's probably as clean as a Vita ball ever. It was perfect. And the one yesterday, it weren't as hard a technique as the Everton one, but again, I hit it perfect. So Why wasn't it as hard, Wayne? For the Everton goal, the ball was coming towards me and I didn't have as much time and you've got to hit the first time. It's a much harder technique and... Harder to get the accuracy you want, so I hit that one cleaner, but the one yesterday was more like a cross-field pass, which <laughs> you're passing it into the goal. Yeah, I, you're talking it down. There's cross-field passes and there's cross-field passes, because I watched that goal and I just shouted, I'm Big Al, and I hit dingers. For those who didn't see it, well, Google was invented for moments like this. The ball came out of the DC area, two Orlando players both went for it, somehow... It bobbled out to you. You were deep inside your own half. I think you were somewhere near Baltimore <laughs> when the ball actually came to you. You took three steps, Wayne. Looked up once, quickly, and just dispatched the cannon. Shot, technically, in DC. It's known as a wolf blitzer. And it just flew. What goes through your mind? It's quite strange because I actually knew I was going to have a shot from distance a few minutes before that. I seen the goalkeeper and I seen he was quite far out and his starting position was high out of his goal and so I knew 
throughout the game, an opportunity was going to come to get a shot, and that's whether you get the time on the ball or the space. And then it actually, two minutes after I seen him, the ball felt perfect. I obviously had to glance up to make sure he was still out, but I knew that he was going to be at least penalty spot, if not edge of the box. So as soon as that ball bobbles to you, you're already thinking, that my intent is clear, look up, release. Yeah, the important thing is not to snatch at it. I knew he had a bit of time, but sometimes you can think, I've got to get it off as quick as I can because the keeper's out, but it's actually better composing yourself and getting it right rather than snatching at it. When the ball flies in, is the exhilaration, is it different to a normal run-of-the-mill goal? Are you aware in the second, holy crap, I have just done something that is going to be shown all over the world tomorrow. This worldie is going to go viral. I know it's a special goal. I think the big difference is you can hear it in the crowd, in the atmosphere. When you score a normal goal, for instance, you can hear the crowd celebrating. But when you score something like that, it's almost like a shock or disbelief. And you can actually hear that in the atmosphere. That you've just done something that's fused all of these people and just given them almost an out-of-body experience. You can hear it, something different, and it's quite a strange feeling. I've got to say, speaking to a couple of people around DC United, this goal was not a surprise to them. You're nearest and dearest. They said that you've been practising this, talking about this. You've tried on a couple of occasions. It's not come off. Do you practise this skill seriously, or is it more just crossbar challenge type of messing around? Actually, the day before the game, me and Chris Durkin... We're practicing from the halfway line. Young American international Chris Durkin. We were practicing hitting the ball from the halfway line into the net, but no bounce. So we've got it at the back of the net first. Unfortunately, my goal didn't <laughs> bounce, but I've got to thank Chris Durkin. You should get an assist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a different type of stripe to a typical goal, which happens in an instant. I mean, this is almost like an entire opera, it's an opus. How do you experience it for the time you strike the ball until it hits the back of the net? I mean, watching it, you had so much time to wait, you could have gone to the sideline, made a cup of tea, still flying goal-bound. Do you know as soon as you hit it, that's in? Honestly, I knew straight away as soon as I hit it. And one of the things which I think about, it's quite strange actually, is for the goalkeeper, don't dive because you're not going to get it. And you're going to make yourself look silly. And that's actually a genuine feeling, I think. Just leave it, let go, because and then <laughs> the keeper obviously dived for it, but I knew there was no chance he was going to get it. And then I'm sure in his head he's thinking, why have I dive for it now? In the NBA, the one thing a defender doesn't want to be is posterised, to be the guy under the dunk. Like There's people whose careers have been ended. Sean Bradley, great centre, hope, was just his career was destroyed by being dunked on. In that moment, when you are exhilarated by what you've just done, you feel an empathy, you feel a, a sadness. You're like, mate, just let that ball go in. Don't embarrass yourself. You feel almost for the victim. Do you remember me one for Man United against West Ham, the goalkeeper <laughs> turned and he fell over. And As a player, when you hit the ball and you hit it right, you know it's a goal or you know Joe it's, Hart, it's going don't in. Don't touch it, Joe. Yeah. Just stay so out of it. You feel a bit for the goalkeeper. Do you, do you worry about how bad you'll look if it doesn't come off? It'll just be you. Wayne Rooney, lashing the ball, letting it bobble out for a throw-in, going out way over the... Do you not think about that? Because you do for... You told me for penalties, you're like, just don't miss. That's one of the things I say to my teammates. Express yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes or give the ball away or not hit the target with the shot. Because if you're not going to try it and you're scared, then you're never going to do it. So I think it's important... uh, 
every player has that mentality and fearlessness. Yeah, and because I make mistakes throughout the game, it's my whole life has been <laughs> one big mistake. No, everyone makes mistakes throughout a ninety-minute football game, and there's moments in games where they're the times which count and which matter. And if you get them moments right, then no one remembers the mistakes. Where does last night's drone strike? We were debating this on the way down. Where does it rank for you in your pantheon of all-time goals? No, I think it's definitely in my top five. It depends, really, because them goals are almost separate to all my other goals. There's the three goals from like that distance, so they're almost separate. They're and their own genre now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, which one of them would you think is the best? And I think probably that one was the best one. Oh, it's like Picasso, his blue period. You've got Wayne Rooney, my favourite long-range <laughs> goal. My favourite goal of yours remains the Derby goal. Yeah. And it wasn't the City United one. I'm talking about December 10th, 2017. Your penalty. penalty. Yeah. That was, to me, the greatest goal I've ever seen you score. It will never be supplanted. That goal was a remarkable way to mark a momentous date. Because as we sit here, a year ago tomorrow is the date you signed for DC United. Has it gone fast? In some ways, it's gone really quick. There's obviously my children going to school so it seems like so long ago they joined the school and now they finish on Friday the American accents they kick in so (laughs) bloody quickly and I'm speaking from experience it is astonishing though what a year it's been it's hard probably for you to conceive inside that locker room how much you have transformed this club within those 365 days where it was on and off the field on the field as a footballing enterprise off the field, just the stadia, the infrastructure, just the energy behind the club. It's been remarkable. But do you have any sense of that at all? Yeah, of course. And I think from when I joined, of course, the club was in a bad situation in bottom of the league. But then you had something to look forward to with the new stadium opening and obviously myself coming in. And we finished the second half of the season last year really well, made the playoffs. And I think now is the time for the club to, right, we're going to jump on the back of this momentum we're going to keep moving forward, we're going to keep progressing, bring players in, new training ground coming and get back to where it was and being successful. And There's the opportunity for the club to do that now and it's important that we don't let that slip. DC United games coming fast and furious as part of this really remarkable summer of football that we're savouring right now. You've got the Copa America, Gold Cup, under 21 Euros and perhaps most high profile of all in the United States. It's the Women's World Cup raging in France as we speak. Have you been watching England's pride and glory, the Lionesses, and what have you made of it all? I've loved it. It's great, obviously, for women's football. Apart from the first US game against Thailand, I think for everyone involved in women's football, they've tried so hard to get more publicity, to get more people playing, and they have that game, which I think was just a, it was ridiculous. To be going to a World Cup and winning, what was it, 13-0? It was embarrassing, so I'm sure they'll look at that for the next World Cup and make sure all the teams are up to standards. But no, England are doing really well. It's one of the sporting wonders of my lifetime, watching players like Nikita Paris, who has often been compared to you, Wayne. You both broke through at Everton, age 16. you got Ellen White. I mean, you know you know a lot of these players from England, from training. So we've actually done a few commercials with a few of the players, and for me, Steph Houghton is fantastic. Great captain, great leader for them. I know Tony Duggan well and 
it's fantastic to see how well they're playing and Phil Neville. I think the job is perfect for Phil. I mean, when I grew up in the 1980s, Britain, women's football, it's hard to describe to Americans just how marginal it was. I mean, girls who dared play were just kind of stigmatised, seen as outsiders. And now you've got Manchester City, you've got Arsenal, you've got Everton investing in that game. The transformation of the women's game in England, it's been remarkable to witness. Yeah, it has, and the way the world is, it's important that women get involved. I've seen a lot of the qualifying games, and you can just feel the atmosphere building, building, obviously, towards the World Cup, and now it's there, you can feel it's almost like the men's team at a World Cup. In England's win over Cameroon, Sunday, UK's most-watched women's football match of all time, 6.9 million viewers, which doesn't sound a lot in America, but that is about 40% of our viewing audience. And the English papers write articles saying, women's football has become bigger than men's cricket, (laughs) which is kind of amazing. It is, as you say, a testament to Phil Neville's management genius. You're saying you did know that he had it in him? Um, Yeah and no, I think. Phil was my coach at Man United under David Moyes. So I think this role is perfect for him in this stage of his career. I just think he needed to be able to stamp his authority on a team and to get that experience to hopefully do well. And then I'm sure after this, a big job might open up for him. Gary Neville should have worn the Gareth Southgate waistcoat at Valencia and it all could have gone (laughs) so differently for him. We are going to break to name check one of our sponsors who makes this podcast happen, Events DC. You know, one of the joys of doing the Wayne Rooney podcast is for us to have an excuse to come down and spend some time in your remarkable city. And Events DC make this city tick. It's the face of conventions, sports, entertainment, cultural events in the nation's capital. If you enjoy groundbreaking conferences, And let's face it, who doesn't? Heart-pounding sporting events like your goal last night. Can't miss galas. I'm never invited to them. Or electrifying concerts. Events DC hosts it all. Are you ready for a closer look to see how Events DC makes DC happen? That's a rhetorical question. Visit eventsdc.com. Oh, now back to the pod. Talking about management got to talk about Chelsea, the Premier League news. As we sit here, Frank Lampard been given permission to negotiate a pathway to possibly become the next Chelsea manager. What do you feel about that move in terms of where he is in his career and that step up? I love it. I think it's brilliant for Frank. I think it'd be great for Chelsea. It's great for English players like myself. You're seeing people getting opportunities. I'm sure after Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool, Steven Gerrard will become Liverpool manager, I'm almost certain. I was hoping for Martin to <laughs> And then Frank going into Chelsea, I'm sure in the next year or two something will come up for John Terry in terms of a manager's role. Is it enough that they just know the Premier League locker room? No, I think there's a bit more to it. I think these players are leaders. You can't just say I've played in the Premier League for 10-15 years and I'm going to go in and be a good manager. These players are all leaders. Stevie's captain Liverpool for years. John Terry for Chelsea. Frank was John Terry's vice-captain. These are all leaders and as a captain you're almost having to manage the team on a day-to-day basis anyway. So it's obviously a bit different but these will be ready and used to them. I imagine Frank just turning up on his first day, going into that Chelsea manager's office and just finding an overflowing ashtray filled with cigarette stubs. <laughs> that was the only sign that Mauricio Sarri was ever there. 
He is one of a number of your ex-England teammates, like you mentioned, Stevie G, Scott Parker and Phil Neville, who've taken up management careers. You said recently that you believe that coaching is in your own future. Yeah, it's something which I'm passionate about doing and I'm actually doing more badges next month over here. So I think it's important to try and get them done as quick as I can and put myself in a position where when I finish playing, I can take jobs if they come up. A whole team of players just letting fly from 60 yards (laughs) out. I cannot wait for that. But when you do think about management, do you picture yourself doing it back in England? Or can you imagine yourself becoming a manager in the United States? It depends, I think. There's obviously jobs which are already getting offered to me. It depends when I finish playing, what's the right move for me, and I just have to make sure I make the right decision. The first one is obviously the most important one. What kind of a manager would you be? There's two kinds now in modern football. There's the shouter and the Klopp-style hugger. Those are the two extremes. Where would you be? How would you see yourself between those two? I think to be an Alex Ferguson, the manager who's constantly shouting at you and <laughs> trying to give you constant instructions, especially with players now and a lot of foreign players, it's difficult to get that message over to them that way. So I think it's more knowing which players need to arm round them, knowing which players need to kick up the arse. And so I think that's the most important thing is knowing the character of your player. Independence Day coming up. Oh, happy birthday, America. Hot dogs, fireworks, freedom. A work day for you, though. You'll be playing in Dallas at this time of national celebration, watching you prosper here in D.C., Wayne, and really embrace life and all it has to offer. It's been one of the joys, one of the American joys of my year. It's a lot to talk about the freedom in America. Few have savoured the freedom that they've discovered here more than you. Thank you. It's been great. And just want to say happy... July 4th, happy Independence Day to everyone in the state celebrating and hopefully I can give everyone a special moment to celebrate also. A firework. In Dallas. We can't wait to reconvene with you in the coming weeks for the next episode of this series. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the Wayne Rooney podcast on iTunes. And Wayne, can you try and do a 60-yard overhead kick for us the day before we pod next time? I'll leave that to Zlatan. I'm sure he'll... he'll, he'll. (laughs) Pull one of them out somewhere. (laughs) Courage.